Welcome into the Degress Podcast. Uh, when this is released, it's going to be Thursday, April 21st, 2022, episode 19. And I can happily report I have survived Snowmageddon here in Dickinson, North Dakota. Got about 29.2 inches of snow stuck in my house for a couple days. was able to get out and work Friday, Saturday. Uh, snow drifts were higher than the 29.2. It's ridiculous. I've never seen it this high. Played a lot of Xbox, got some reading in, watched Seinfeld. Uh, body is still sore from shoveling. Luckily, I had a neighbor who brought his snowblower over and helped me finish up, but things are coming back. I was able to celebrate Easter with my family on Sunday. It's always good to spend, get some family time. The NBA playoffs are off and running. Jordan Spieth got a big win in, the play, in a playoff at the RBC Heritage Tournament. MLB season is still in the early stages, but that continues to roll on. And I'm going to take a little break from uh, talking sports news today. I'm going to bring on a very special guest. He is the current voice of the Bethany Swedes in Lindsborg, Kansas. He covers news and, sport and sports at 1150 KSAL. And he's the former voice of the Badlands Big Sticks. He's an Oklahoma State alumnus and the pride of Muldrow, Oklahoma, Sam Henderson. Sam, welcome on. Man, when you read off all those things, you make my resume sound a lot bigger than it than it actually is. But did yeah, I, glad it all right. <laughs> glad to be here, Dylan. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, like I said uh, at the end of last week's show, that my Sam was my broadcast partner for the Big Sticks. You did play by play. I did color. It was a lot of fun working with him. He was uh, a great joy to work with. Knows his baseball. He covers other sports. So. You know, like I said in the intro, you grew up in uh, Muldrow, Oklahoma. Did you grow up playing sports or were you just always just kind of had an interest and worked at radio at a young age? Yeah, so it's funny you asked that. My very first word as a, as a toddler was football, actually. It was, uh, you could tell from an early age that I was really into sports. In fact, my family would play a game with me before I could even really talk. They would turn on the randomest sports on TV and I would go find the corresponding ball to that sport. So it was just always ingrained from me from a very young age. And yeah, so once I got old enough, I started baseball when I was two because I was right at like the age cut off where I like, I turned three in the season, but it's still cool to tell people I started my baseball career when I was two years old and uh, started soccer when I was three played those until middle school, kept playing baseball. And then I switched from soccer to tennis. Actually, my sixth grade year, I started playing football my fifth grade year. Actually, my parents wouldn't let me until I was in fifth grade because they were worried about concussions and such. And uh, yeah, started basketball in sixth grade as well. So things really started to heat up in middle school. And then once I hit high school, I started to dwindle it back down. So starting my ninth grade year, I was just in baseball. And then my junior year of baseball, I kind of sort of threw my arm out. Also was kind of losing interest in playing baseball. So I bowled my senior year. Oh. And so I went from throwing overhand to rolling underhand. And uh, me and three friends, it wasn't even school sponsored because we didn't have that at our school. Yeah. So it was me and three friends playing in a beer league uh, <laughs> in Fort Smith, Arkansas. And we were the youngest team in the league by like, 30 years and it was one of the best times of my life but what is that like four or five sports I played growing up so yeah I, I was I was a pretty well-rounded athlete I would say yeah for sure oh well so that's a good thing though I don't know if you play softball at all but you know bowling it would help it make you a good pitcher uh for transitioning from beer league bowling to beer league softball so it's possibility just throwing it out there <laughs> yeah, well, I played some slow pitch softball in college, actually, for like intramurals. We were probably the worst team known to man. But yeah, it did that that wind up did come in clutch. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. What was your favorite sport playing growing up? Oh, that's a good question. Man, I really liked soccer early on because I was pretty good at soccer. I was the goalie and I really enjoyed that. Uh, but in Oklahoma, Eastern Oklahoma, as you can imagine, soccer isn't a very popular, <laughs> isn't a very popular sport. So in fact, in my area where I grew up, the closest high school soccer team, it's changed since, since, since I've been in high school, 
but I, you would have had to go to Tulsa, which was an hour and a half away from me to be able to play high school soccer. So I had to kind of cut that off. The Basically, there were was no such thing as any high school leagues. So once you hit mid-elementary, early middle school, there wasn't really any opportunities to play soccer. But that was my favorite originally. And then once I got older, I would say baseball just because I got to where I could pitch and I enjoyed pitching. And it was just the sport I played the most. So it, it grew on me over time. Yeah. Uh, what did you um, – so you talked about, you know, your town was – so how big was, uh, how big was Muldra? How many people did you, was, uh, was the town? So the town itself, 3000 people. Okay. But it's weird. That part of Oklahoma is weird where our school district actually encompassed about seven or 8,000 people because we had four or 5,000 people living in the boonies. I mean, yeah. they would have to drive an hour to get to school and Muldra was their closest school. Yeah. It, it was crazy. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, you see it a lot here in North Dakota too, where you get a bunch of, especially now where it's a lot of more schools merging together and co-oping and it's interesting. It's, it's a, it's a discussion for a different podcast, but yeah, you, it, and it's almost sad to see, cause you see some of these towns and you hear about these gyms and that's something that I'm fascinated in is local gyms and just seeing these going to these small towns, seeing just, like dungeons that you're playing in are just they're just small it was cool but uh so did you in these towns that you you guys co-op with were you playing them in like younger leagues and then as you guys progressed or was it throughout you guys were co-oping together so yeah in, in Oklahoma actually now there is such thing as a co-op but in my part of the state it wasn't a co-op what it was was there was a bunch of smaller schools that we would play growing up, but they would cut off at eighth grade and then they would just consolidate into oh. Muldrow or a nearby town Roland or Salisaw. So yeah, it was a, it was a case of where we would play them in middle school. And then it was kind of a recruitment where you would try and get those kids to come to your school for high school to play with you. It, it, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. We had so many K through eights in our area. Yeah, well, yeah, recruiting pays. That's a that's a big thing that you get over here. So it's, it's it, yeah, that goes on everywhere. But uh, you said you played baseball was probably your favorite sport. You said you had a little bit of an arm injury. What what was uh, what was the cut? Just too much pitching, or what? I, I say it was an arm injury. I just didn't really take care of my arm. I never. It was like never diagnosed. But the very last game I pitched in my high school baseball career my arm was basically hanging after it. And it was like, I mean, it was toast. Cause I mean, I threw probably about 150 innings in my three year high school baseball career, but I didn't, <laughs> I was like the stupid 16 year old kid where I thought I was invincible. And I was like, I don't believe in icing my arm after pitching. So I, I literally, I haven't never iced my arm. It was just show and go. I didn't even really believe in stretching. Turns out, that's a legit thing. You probably need to stretch before warming up, but uh, I was stupid. I was in high school and that's, that's kind of what caused my arm to just give out there toward the end. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. That's well, I'm, I'm 27 and I'm still, it, it's slowly catching up to me where I should be stretching. Like if, even if I'm like working out or something and I still don't stretch, but I can kind of see, well, I, I understand the importance of it for sure. And, uh, so then did you, uh, you talked about growing up, first words was uh, football. And was it at an early age you decided that you wanted to work in broadcast journalism or were you, did you go through different phases of thinking of something else that you wanted to do? Yeah, that's a good question. So when I was growing up, I went through a lot of different phases of what I wanted to be. I'm trying to think. Very first thing I wanted to be when I was three years old was a bull rider until my <laughs> parents went and took me to see a bull, and that changed my mind pretty quick. Uh, then that progressed into, you know, teaching, being a statistician, I remember, I thought would be pretty cool, which uh, statistician – somewhat related to sports. I thought that would be cool, but you know, they're, they're also the people that set the rates for insurance companies and stuff. I didn't really 
think I wanted to get into media until my freshman year of high school, which is when I started doing public address announcing for middle school sports in my town. It was just kind of a random thing. I was like, hey, that would be a good way to just volunteer and and have something to do. And I thought I would be pretty good at it. So I contacted the athletic director and and started calling the the uh, middle school football games, just like, you know, the person in the press box is like, welcome everybody to so-and-so field today's opponents. I mean, it wasn't pressures for middle school. That's that's down there. (laughs) Right. Well, there wasn't anybody doing it. So I saw a void that I could fill of something that I enjoyed. Yeah. So that's where I started. And then I was like, well, I kind of like doing that. I wonder if there are careers in that. And I found, there's a high school camp actually at Oklahoma State University where high school juniors, sophomores, juniors, and seniors can go for a couple days in the summer and check out their sports media program. So you basically kind of get an overview of what the program's like in a summer camp type feel. So I did that in between my junior and senior year. And I told myself, I was like, well, if I like it, then this is what I'll try and pursue in college. And if I don't like it, then I'll find something else. Well, I loved sports media camp. So that's what led me to Oklahoma State in sports media. And yeah, the rest was history. Yeah. So you mentioned you grew up from Oklahoma or you're from Oklahoma and went to Oklahoma State. Were you always a Cowboy fan or were you did you lean towards the Sooners or did you not have a team growing up? Because I feel like Oklahoma is one of those states that you're either a Cowboy or a Sooner. There's really no in between. That's a great question. Actually, I was a pretty big OU fan growing up because my dad went to OU. That's where he did his grad school. So uh, actually, I think he got his bachelor's from OU as well. But yeah, growing up, I mean, I loved Sam Bradford. That was like the OU teams I really followed. Landry Jones there uh, after Sam Bradford. But yeah, I, I didn't even like keep up with Oklahoma State sports, really. I mean, it was all OU for me until I actually went to OSU. So yeah, weird type of dynamic. But now that I went to OSU, I can't stand OU. It's funny how (laughs) your life changes like that. But man, I just view them as the nemesis now. I like OSU because they're kind of the underdog in the rivalry, the little brother, I guess you could call them. But uh, I just like being on that side of it. Well, I won't they won't call him little brother because that little brother is a title reserved for Michigan State. Oh, yeah, so, right. We, yeah, I, I won't. That, that, that's a little too harsh. But so you yeah, go to Oklahoma State. And did you were you a rich and yeah, you were clearly going to do broadcast journalism. What did you your freshman year you step on campus? Were you already working on different types of uh, calling games or what were you uh, what was your involvement within the media department or program? at Oklahoma State. Yeah, so Oklahoma State's really good about, if you're in the media program, you can get involved pretty early. So yeah, I mean, within the first few weeks of me being at Oklahoma State, I had already lined up doing play-by-play for a local high school. I'd gotten a job with the city newspaper covering high school sports, and I had already gotten like a radio show with the school radio station. So yeah, I mean, I basically jumped right in once Once I got there, it helped because actually my living arrangement, I lived on something called the media floor, which was a floor of dorms that was only open to media students, mainly sports media students. So like I met all these kids that had the same interests as me my first day of move in. And then we basically just went to all these meetings and got involved at the same time doing all these different things. And it was a really great setup. They do it really well, actually, at, at OSU. But, yeah, man, I was basically from the first or second week, I was already doing stuff. And you said you – so you had a, a play-by-play for a local high school team. You were working for a local newspaper. Were you – did they – did their department give you a list, or were you – did you have an idea before where you were kind of looking at different radio stations, different newspapers with – or in Stillwater around the Stillwater area where you were uh, contacting or did you get a list from the OSU or Oklahoma State Media Department of 
people to contact or is it all just you going out on your own taking the initiative right well i would like to say i had the initiative but no that's not how it was actually oklahoma state had they do this every year but they have a meeting kind of a kickoff meeting at the beginning of the year that where they bring in media outlets that are at oklahoma state and also outside stillwater uh, media outlets that basically just come to present and try and recruit students to work with them. So yeah, I went to that meeting and that's where I found the Stillwater News Press, which was the newspaper. They were there recruiting some writers. Uh, so I signed up with them. That's where I found the school radio station. And that's how I got in with doing play-by-play, -play. yeah. Okay, so did you, were, when you went to Oklahoma State, were you unsure of if you wanted to do, you said you did some play or uh, some PA announcing in high school. Did you have a, did you, did you always lean towards the broadcasting side or in uh, working at a newspaper? Did you, is that something you wanted to do more than another or were you always just more so leaning towards broadcast journalism, journalism or is journalism something you'd like to get back into? Yeah, I think starting out, I was, I didn't really have a set path when, when I first got there. That's why I kind of got involved with everything to see what I liked the most. I did have an inkling in the back of my head that I wanted to do play by play just from my time at sports media camp to go back two years before I ever attended OSU. We did play by play of a triple a baseball game actually. Okay. And Dave Hunziker, who is the play by play guy for Oklahoma state, he kind of oversees that and he listened in to the play-by-play -play I was doing at that AAA game just to, you know, give me feedback. And I never want to bring that play-by-play -play to ever be heard by anybody ever again because it's so bad. But Dave, the saint that he is, I made some call on a home run. And Dave, likes after the inning was over, he got everybody to take off their headsets, and he's like, Sam did this really well. Like, this is what all you could do. Like, he really described it well. And that little, like – compliment just that little compliment from dave really put it in the back of my head like oh maybe i am good enough to do something like play by play so that was always in the back of my head that was always kind of what i leaned toward but coming in no i didn't i didn't know exactly what i wanted to do but it just took some more reps doing play by play that first year to know that that was the sector i was probably going to go in yeah for sure i mean it's it's one of those things it's it sounds so easy. You hear these guys doing it. And then once that mic's in front of you and it says go, it's a whole different ball game. Even like now, like when I go, I'll occasionally now record solo podcasts. It, it, it's incredibly hard because it, everything happens. Your mind's going a mile a minute. There's, it's so much happening. It's just, you, your brain works way faster than your mouth does. And by the time if brain gets down to your mouth, you lose things to say, or you lose your train of thought. It's just so much habit. Is, is that something similar to what you have? Like kind of what I've dealt with all the time. Oh yeah. All the time. See the trick of play by play is, is you can lose your train of thought, but you got to have ways to like, not let the listener know that you just lost your train of thought. So yeah, I mean, it, that happens all the time, but the biggest thing about play by play is research. I mean, yeah. Any, I mean, before I even go on the air, I've already done, you know, four to six hours of research for any given game to know everything about the players I'm about to see. And, and sometimes that's with teams that I've literally never called before, never heard of before. Thank God for Google. But uh, yeah, I mean, luckily the research is kind of that backbone. So when you do blank, when you lose your train of thought, you have your notes right in front of you. That's that's kind of the crutch that keeps me alive and play by play. Well, I can and I can vouch for you, too, because working those big sticks games with you, I would I'd look over at your computer and you would have just a list scrolling down of each player from each team. It was it was incredible and impressive. And just your knowledge of it was, yeah, incredible. And then a little bit backtracking a little bit. You said you did a little bit of uh, worked at the radio station in Oklahoma State. What was what was your, uh, what was the show called or what did you guys all talk about? Did you guys have a. So it was a very, uh, it wasn't even, I say radio show. It was more like a podcast that was under the guise of radio. We didn't even have a radio station at Oklahoma state. It was like a, an internet streaming 
oh, yeah. type thing, audio streaming. So yeah, I did it for two years, actually. It was me and this other guy named Sam, funny enough. So we did a take on Mike and Mike in the morning, but okay. our show was at night. So we called it Sam and Sam in the evening. <laughs> and it was just like basic sports talk, just, just a way to get us in front of a mic just to get used to it. And uh, actually, the other Sam now, he's covering the OKC Thunder for Sports Illustrated. Oh, wow. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, always, it's interesting to think back to those early days and like where everybody ended up. Yeah, that, that is cool to see. And uh, you, uh, Sam, so Sam and Sam in the evening, Mike and Mike, did you have any guys that you, guys in the broadcast field that you looked up to or role models? that you had that you kind of still look up to and you know when they're calling a game you stop and you make sure you're listening to are there any guys like that that you're see it's weird Dylan because growing up I listened to a fair amount of games on the radio like St. Louis Cardinals games just because my dad would have it on when we were driving around but growing up I barely I mean compared to like other people I know in the business that just like lived and breathed radio games growing up. I barely listened to radio broadcasters uh, while I was uh, going through school. So I would say of broadcasters that I enjoy that I like to take things from, I would say Al Michaels. Okay. I'm a big pro wrestling fan. So Jim Ross as well. But, you know, I might be weird in the sense that I don't like a whole lot now you can get fundamentals from guys that you listen to but i don't like to listen to people too much because i want to be my own broadcaster because if you listen to somebody too much then you'll become that person you know what i mean like i i want to kind of bring my own style to play by play yeah i think i think it's okay to take take things from different broadcasters that they do well you know listen to them but i think at the end of the day if you like you said, if you try, if you listen to them and take everything they do, you try too hard to become them rather than becoming your true self. And I think when you figure out who yourself is and just be you on the air, it, it makes for a whole better broadcast and better listening experience for the viewer. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I would describe my style. I'm sure if we have anybody listening who listen to Big Sticks games, my style was more of like a sarcastic slash humorous type style. Like I, I'm I'm not one to really be buttoned down on a broadcast, or at least I try not to be. Like I called a game a couple of weeks ago. It was a state basketball tournament game, but one of the team's mascots was a gorilla. I mean, come on. <laughs> you can have so much fun with one of the mascots being a gorilla. They played a team that was like, I think they were the Eagles or something. So I open up the broadcast and I'm like, oh, an eagle and a gorilla meet in Dodge City, Kansas. Who comes out alive? You know, like, and I just kind of thought of that in the car right before. But and I don't think I've ever heard anybody ever lead into a radio game like that. But uh, I think I made a reference to Rainforest Cafe. So it's just, you know, I like to have fun with with what is available to me, whether it's the mascots or the schools or just what the heck's going on in the atmosphere, stuff like that. Yeah. That's, I think that's probably why we work so well together is we kind of have that same kind of attitude and hopefully, you know, make sure we folk tell the story of the game, but we also make it enjoyable for the listener and works out perfectly. Cause we'll transition to you worked, uh, you called the big stick, badlands, big sticks and Dickinson for two years. What, were you, did you do any, call any games for a different league previous to that? Or was calling the big sticks your first real, as I, well, you interned there. And then was that your first time interning or were you at doing an intern internship before that, as far as broadcasting goes? Well, to answer your question, no, I considered the big sticks to be my big break because before that, all I'd ever done was small town Oklahoma high school sports like we're talking the football team I called for that fall before my first big stick season was a really good team but the town was 700 people I mean they were the the lowest level of 11-man football 
in Oklahoma. Hold on. Did you lose me, Dylan? Nope, I still got you. Okay, my screen went off. That's why I'm asking. So I'm just staring blindly into a screen right now. So if my if it sounds weird for a bit, let me know. But um, hopefully this comes back on. Let's see. Let's try and restart it. But uh, yeah, so I was calling for a really small high school football team that fall, and I used that tape. I also did some of their baseball games and I used that tape, sent it to Jason Watson, the general manager. And, and yeah, when he gave me a call to do college summer baseball, I was like, wow, like, like this is the big time. So I was super excited. Yeah. And did you, did you interview at any other places or what was, uh, uh, was Dickinson really? Cause you, you had it at a very adverse time because it was right when COVID hit and I'm sure you, I'm guessing you secured it early at, in January or in December of 2019 or a time like that. And then COVID happens and there was probably, yeah, there definitely was a lot of uncertainty about if you were going to be able to call the games or if there was even going to be a season. What was, what was the, that's situation like for you? Yeah. So I actually accepted the big sticks my first summer with the big sticks I accepted that in November of 19. So, yeah, I mean, I, I knew pretty well in advance that that's where I was going. It's funny because when Jason, I talked to Jason on the phone and then he had me talk to Steve Stroud. He had Steve Stroud call me like the next day or whatever. And me and Steve talked for like two hours. I was, so I was feeling pretty good. Like I hadn't been offered the internship yet, but I was like, if Steve Stroud talks to me for two hours and that's who I'm going to work with that has to be a pretty good sign. So yeah. And then I got offered late November for the big sticks, but as for the timing of all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, when COVID hit in March of 20, it was like, are we still going to have a season? Are we is like, is my internship still on? And it was, it was kind of sad. Cause it was like, man, this was my big break. Like, is it even going to happen? But in the back of my mind, I was like, man, if, if any internship is actually going to happen, it's going to be in freaking North Dakota. (laughs) So, and lo and behold, it did albeit delayed by like a month, but thank goodness for North Dakota and the Badlands big sticks. Yeah, for sure. Uh, So did you, have you ever been to North Dakota previous to calling the big sticks or was that your first time? What were your initial thoughts of thinking I'm going to North Dakota to call summer baseball? (laughs) So yeah, when Jason called me in November, his phone number is a Wisconsin number. How did you find out about the big? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I forgot to answer an earlier question. If I applied anywhere else, I applied to every single team in the expedition league that year, every single team in the Northwoods league and every single team in the Cape Cod league and the big sticks were the fastest to get back to me. Jason got back to me within 24 hours. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, and what was your other question? What else did you say? Oh, here's me losing my train of thought. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everything comes full circle here. It was, right. uh, it was, what were your initial thoughts? So you accept the job and did right. you ever hear back from any of the North oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The other expedition league teams? Yeah. So I heard back from a, a couple of Northwoods teams. So I think I heard back from the Duluth Huskies, which ended up not having a season that year. Uh, I heard back from the Bismarck Larks. Oh, yeah. Who ended up doing that weird pod thing that year. And I heard back from one of the Cape Cod teams as well. But by that time, I, I just liked the sound of the big sticks the best. Jason and I's phone call was really good. But when Jason first called me, his caller ID is from Wisconsin. So you got to keep in mind, I had applied to 45 teams, give or take. So when the caller ID is from Wisconsin and I answer the phone, he's like, hey, Jason Watson with the Badlands Big Six. I had no idea where this team was like, yeah, I, I just know it was one of the teams that I sent an email to and it was from one of those three leagues and the caller ID was from Wisconsin. So I thought it was a Northwoods team to begin with. And then once I looked it up after our phone call, that's when I figured out it was in North Dakota. And then once I got offered the internship, 
I called my parents. I didn't even talk to my parents yet. <laughs> I was like, hey, you guys ever heard of Dickinson, North Dakota? And my parents were like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm going there this summer. Hooray. So, no, I had never been to North Dakota before that. I had been to, like, the Spearfish area for – I'd been to Mount Rushmore before. And my brother had gotten married in Billings, Montana a couple of summers previous. But, no, never made it to North Dakota. And, actually, my first time there was when I rolled up for the first day of the Big Sticks, summer of 20. Okay. And then, yeah, so moved to North Dakota, and you didn't – Obviously, it was in the summer, so you didn't have to worry about the weather. And then you had a meeting. You got what was your conversation with Steve like? For Steve, who doesn't know, he ran the mix 105.7, and he was the guy that paired us up together. I worked at the station briefly. Sam was calling the games, which is where the big sticks were called. What was uh, what was your first? You talked for two hours. That obviously went pretty well. What was your first uh, interactions with Steve like? Yeah, he was kind of giving me an overview of just the league and kind of what I would be doing and and working with him. And and he was kind of getting an idea of what my philosophy was on calling games and just getting an understanding of who I was because he knew we would be calling some games together. He would kind of be my my supervisor, per se. So that's what it was. But uh, we just, man, we talked about a little bit of everything. He was talking about Oklahoma State and Garth Brooks with me and we talked about because that was right after Miles Garrett tried to kill Mason Rudolph oh, yep. uh, with the helmet so we talked about that and yeah it was it was just a little bit of everything and that was my first time ever talking to somebody with a thick North Dakota accent <laughs> so when I first started talking to Steve I was like man this guy I mean he basically sounds like he's Canadian <laughs> and I was, that was the first time I'd ever heard something like that. So it was just a, a foreshadowing of things to come. Yeah. So you get up here and your first couple, a uh, couple days there, I believe that they had quite a few guys that ended up testing positive for COVID. So the season even got pushed back a little bit more. Uh, and then I also, I guess, backtrack a little bit too, when you, there was questions about possibly not having a season was were you looking at different options as far as interning or was if it was it was this or nothing man that's that's a good question i have to think back to that time i i remember i mean if it fell through what else was there to do because i mean it was everything yeah. had gone by the wayside so i just remember thinking well if it doesn't work out then I would want first dibs on being able to come back the next summer. It did happen. That, that was the biggest thing in my mind. Cause I still wanted to do it. I knew it'd be great experience. So I was just hoping that if it fell through that I'd be first in line for whenever they would get to play. So I don't think I ever had something else lined up. There was a station in my, not in my hometown, but in a town next to my hometown that I had interned with uh, previously uh, just kind of a an unpaid internship, kind of just staying home during the summer, but still keeping my toes in the water of radio. This was in between my freshman and sophomore year of college. And uh, I knew like I could probably do some stuff with them, but it wouldn't be like a full-blown internship just because COVID was killing everything. So uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't remember ever having something else lined up or even pursuing something else. Okay. Uh, well, thankfully it worked out, got you up to Dickinson, you're calling games and summer baseball is a, it's a grueling schedule. They jam about 60 some games into three, two months. And there's bringing guys in, you're traveling on a road on a bus, you're crammed with everybody else. What are some of your good expedition league stories from whether it was in Dickinson or traveling on the bus or calling a game at a different ballpark. What what are some of your what are some of your better stories you have that you can You know, Dylan, you'll have to bring me back sometime because I have so <laughs> I many know. stories. That could be a podcast show itself as uh summer baseball stories. It one hundred percent could be its own podcast. I will try and think of just the top ones that stand out 
and it comes from that first season, summer of 20. I mean, you got to keep in mind, COVID is going on during all of this. Um, and, and it's it's a wonder that we didn't have as many COVID breakouts during that summer of 20 that we did. You know, I think we had one at the start of the year, and really we didn't have one the rest until the very end, and I was already gone by that point because uh, I had to come back to school. But this would have been late July of 20, and we went to Garing, Nebraska to play the the Western Nebraska Pioneers, right? Yep. It's an eight-hour eight-hour drive from Dickinson, give or take. League, I think that's almost outside of Dickinson to Minot. Everything else is about, well, and I guess Dickinson to, well, Grand Forks, but everywhere else was on average probably about an eight-hour trip because the teams in Nebraska, you got a couple of team, a team out in Idaho, team in Montana, and is there, there weren't any teams in Kansas, were there? Nope. Nope. The furthest was Nebraska. Yeah. Spearfish. So Spearfish. Well, they Spearfish wasn't even playing in 2020. So there was only six teams that played that season. And actually the furthest team from the big sticks was, were the Nebraska teams. So that was actually our longest road trip of the season that summer. But we, you know, we get our itinerary before we start the road trip, which, you know, kind of tells you where you're staying. The other team sends it to you where you're staying, what you're going to eat, stuff like that. And I'm going to try and keep this as fair as I can in case this gets back to the people. But I guess the Western Nebraska Pioneers had changed the hotels that they had teams staying at, starting with us, because the previous hotel had quit doing a continental breakfast because of COVID, but they still wanted to find a place that still did breakfast. So the place that they put us in, starting with us, was America's best value in in Scotts Bluff, Nebraska. Oh boy. So I knew that those that chain of hotels didn't have the best reputations, but I was willing to hear them out. So I look this place up on TripAdvisor and I found a review that had like one star and it was the funniest review I've ever seen in my life of this person saying you'd be better off catching a disease. Like if you want to catch a disease, stay here. (laughs) If you don't want to catch a disease, don't stay here. So we drive down to Garing, Nebraska. And I remember I was trying to warn the guys on the bus of where we were going to stay. I was like, guys, this is not going to be the best. We pull up to the hotel. There's no real signage around it. There's like windows punched out curtain rods are like hanging straight down from the windows. The lobby's kind of dim. And this is before we even get out of the bus. This is just what we see. And all the guys on the bus are on that side, looking at this hotel. And as you can imagine the expletives that are just flying around out of these guys' mouths, like this is where we're going to stay. And the bus driver, I'll never forget it. The bus driver stands up. And he's like, well, this is the place. It ain't no Hampton Inn, boys. <laughs> it was so funny. So we go in. The smell of that place was absurd. And we go to our rooms. And I remember it was me and Michael Reddick and Colin Miller and Geo Camfield. That's who I was staying with uh, for people who remember some of the older big sticks. And we had all we had already agreed. We'd barely set foot in the hotel. We'd already agreed we are not getting under the covers. We're gonna sleep in our hoodies. It was that bad. I mean, there was a moldy French fry under our bed. Oh, and the TV remote didn't work. We had no signal in the building, zero signal. And then the messages started rolling in. I wasn't in the players group chat, but like I was staying with players, so they were telling me what other players were encountering in their rooms. And I saw a video. There was a giant praying mantis on the wall of one of the rooms. Another couple of guys had to kick in their door to get into one of the rooms. It was wild. And we could not get out of there fast enough. And we head to the field. And that's when Billy Tomlin, who was the manager that summer, he made some calls to be like, hey, this place isn't going to be worth staying at. And I think it was... 
I don't want to put like too much blame on the Western Nebraska pioneers. I think it was a case of, they were trying to find a place that had breakfast. And I think the hotel itself showed the owner, one of their model rooms that didn't accurately model what all the other rooms were like. You know what I mean? Well, when it was first open, they took pictures when it actually looked. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, what they because to be fair, the owner of the pioneers did later apologize to me in the press box to go tell the rest of the team that he was sorry about that. So I don't want to pile onto him, but worst place, worst building I've ever been in my life. Luckily, Billy was able to convince uh, some people to move us to another hotel and it was fine, but the story doesn't end there, but I'll try and keep it brief. We finished the series in Western Nebraska, get on the bus to head back, you know, about to start an eight hour drive through the night. Cause we have a game the next day in Dickinson. I mean, that's our only option. We got to drive through the night bus breaks down 15 minutes outside of Gehring, Nebraska. Of course it does. So, I mean, we're just sitting there in the pitch black dark on the side of the road We've already been through America's Best Value Inn, and then we had to go back to Garing and check back into another hotel <laughs> because the one that we were staying at was out of rooms for that night. And then we had to get up early, early the next morning and then drive back. Quite a circus. A couple, about a 48-hour span I'll never forget. And, yeah, if I had to choose any story of my time from the Expedition League, that would be one. But like I said, we can make a whole podcast <laughs> about my time in the Expedition League, best summers of my life. Oh, absolutely. That, that, that you, you make build friendships. You make become brothers with all those bus trips. It, it makes for great laughs, great memories forever. Those And I, I didn't play baseball at all, but you – when my friends and I get together and we play sport, we talk about those bus rides and they, they, ours weren't long, but we talk about the times we had together and those, and those moments that you become, you know, you become friends to brothers and you guys are bonded for life. Those, and those are the cool experiences at the end of the day. A lot of those guys, they won't remember the wins and losses from those years. They'll remember all the time they spent together, all the good memories they had off the ball field whenever that time ends. But yeah, that's always a cool. What what was your first? Uh, what was the your first game calling for the Big Six? What were, what was your? How did you feel going into that? Were you excited, nervous, mix of both? And how how did it go? Another funny question or funny way. I mean, I'm glad you asked that because the first game I ever called for the Big Six is my favorite game I've ever called in my life of anything. Because June 20, it was June 26, 2020, right? Yep. We're talking about heat of COVID. We're about the only thing going on in the nation, right? Yep. <laughs> Big Sticks hosting the Saber Dogs. And I did it with Steve. And I thought Steve was going to call the game and I was going to do color commentary yep. just to kind of ease me in. Steve does play by play for like the first inning and is like, all right, you take it over. I'm like, oh, okay. But yeah, I mean, just what I had been through, what, you know, basically the whole world had been through up until that point was lockdowns, you know? So just to be able to get back on the headset, that very first game and just experience normalcy for the first time was something that I can't explain just how happy it made me. And then the big sticks win it in a walk-off. It was bases loaded, bottom of the ninth, tie ball game and Caden Schwabe, one of the greatest guys you'll ever meet. I, if I could make a top five of the nicest guys I met that were big sticks, Caden Schwabe would be right there. Uh, buys yeah. Yeah. He's, he he's plays from North Dakota state. Now that should give you even more reason to root for Caden Schwabe. He is one of the nicest guys in baseball, but he comes to the plate and it's like a full count bases loaded tie game bottom of the ninth. And I think the pitcher, I don't think it was Dan Rivera actually, who was later a big stick. Yeah. It was Tanner Kern, I think was his name right. from a kid from Minot state. You still got me. My screen went dead again. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So Tanner Kern throws ball four. Caden Schwabe walks the big sticks, walk it off. And it was just like the world was, everything was right in the world again. And 
yeah, that was by far my favorite game. And, and that's in a sea of many games I really enjoyed for the big sticks. Oh yeah, for sure. That was, it, it, I have a similar experience with Steve where that I was, we were calling softball for Dickinson high. It was DHS versus either Jamestown or Williston. And he had to, I can't remember what it was, but then I ended up just kind of calling and it was like, Oh, I'm, I'm doing play by play. Steve's doing color. We're rolling. So it was, it was, it was one of those, you throw your, the wolves and I'm almost, it's, I almost kind of liked it that way. Cause I didn't have time to get nervous. It was just, just go do it. Just start talking and hope, hopefully it sounded good. And yeah, it, it, that's how, that's how you learn is just doing it. And the more you do it, the more better you're going to sound, the more comfortable you are. And now you're in, uh, Lindsburg, Kansas, calling games for the Bethany Swedes. What you're you're calling football, basketball? Are you calling any baseball, or is that? Yeah, I I actually have done a couple of baseball games for them. I'll actually do a high school game tomorrow. Well, I guess this will air on Thursday, so I did a high school game on Tuesday. Uh, but uh, yeah, I've done a couple of Bethany baseball games, but mainly football and basketball. The football team did not win a game when I did it in the fall. It was, it was a rough go for, for the old Swedes, but the basketball teams were solid. Both were uh, 20 win teams made it to the second round of their conference tournament. So it was, it was a lot of fun, but man, I'll tell you what, there's nothing like a grind of doing play by play for two high school basketball teams and two college basketball teams, because the way they have it set it up here in Kansas is they play on separate nights. So I would be calling double headers four times a week during the winter. And it was just, it, it was a crazy schedule, but a lot of fun for sure. Yeah. So have you called any other sports or are you just mostly with football, basketball, baseball? And then what was your, what was your first uh, calling football games for the Swedes? What was, how, how, how was that? What was your feeling going into that? Was that a, nervous excited or is that just uh was it like something brand new or did you feel like comfortable enough you've done enough games over the years to where it was it was just another day yeah so no I haven't done any other sports for Bethany or for high school now I called play-by-play once upon a time for MMA actually I was like what was that like I was like the Joe Rogan yelling (laughs) every time somebody got hit oh we caught him oh we caught him and uh, it was it was fun. This I did it two times actually for a, a cage fighting company back in my home area uh, in Oklahoma and Arkansas. It was fun, man. Until the blood spatters got on my notes, and because <laughs> I was right there. But no, a lot of fun Amen. for sure. But as for my first football game with Bethany, I mean, it was like, wow, this is it. Like I'm about to call a college football game super cool i mean it was like all my work in college kind of led up to this but wouldn't you know it my equipment craps out like 10 minutes before the broadcast i mean it's only natural right that's just that's how it works but we were able to get it sorted out right at kickoff so we came on i didn't even do a pregame. i was like and we're here all right let's get this underway they were playing like the Swedes were playing a top 20 team in the nation. Keep in mind, this is NAI football. So this is Dickinson state's uh, classification, Mayville state, all that. Uh, so they were playing Southwestern and they held with them for a while, but Southwestern pulled away. But just to be able to say, I called a college football game was really awesome. Yeah, for sure. And then you, you also said you were a w, huge WWE fan. Have you gotten to call any, pro wrestling or semi-pro pro wrestling is that something that's on the sam henderson bucket list i would say it's definitely on the bucket list and i would also say it's currently in the works actually uh with a, a promotion here in kansas there's there's been no real details but i i've had contact with an owner of one of the companies that is looking to get me in the broadcast booth at some point in time once my schedule clears up but uh <laughs> But yeah, I would say that is on the horizon and definitely something I'm wanting to check off the bucket list. Okay, for sure. For sure. That that would be 
that would probably get me to tune into pro wrestling. I'm not a big pro wrestling guy, but <laughs> the MMA, I, I, I enjoy watching those big fights and might be Sam Rogan soon. So we we'll end this podcast with something a little bit not sports related. I mentioned earlier in my intro that you are a huge office fan. And if you could only pick one episode that you were able to watch for the rest of your life, <laughs> what episode are you watching? That's the easiest question you've asked me today, Dylan, actually. Dinner party, easily. <laughs> dinner party. In fact, I had my girlfriend, who had never seen that episode, I had my girlfriend watch it uh, last time she was here in Kansas, so a couple of months ago, just because I was like, you can't be an Office fan and have never seen Dinner Party. I have never laughed harder at a, a complete episode than Dinner Party. <laughs> Yes, that that is one of the better ones for sure. I, oh, I'm trying to think. I like the fire drill one. That's one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's so many that now I might have to go and watch watch a few off episodes of The Office tonight. Now that we're talking about it, so that's yeah. And then yeah, so that's all I have for Sam. I thank thank you for joining me, and we will we'll have to do it again soon. We definitely will, because I still have some uncovered ground with big stick stories. And I, I have plenty more where that came from, if you want it, Dylan. So, yeah, definitely let me know, because, I mean, we didn't even touch on how I met my girlfriend in Dickinson. Oh, I mean, yeah. I no, mean that's, yeah. that's we might, a we'll have a part two, maybe sometime in the summer. We'll uh, we will uh, as the big stick season progresses and yes, from there, get to. Uh, get some good big stick story and some more expedition league stories from the pride of Muldra, Oklahoma, Sam Henderson. Yes. Yes. Can't wait, but it was a lot of fun being on this still. And thanks for having me. You bet. And we're back. Thanks again to Sam for joining me. Great to catch up with him and hear his journey. He has a bright future and I'm excited to track it as he moves up in the broadcast world. Make sure you are following me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at The Degress. You can find The Degress Podcast on Anchor, Spotify, and iTunes. The video version of the podcast is available on YouTube under my name, Dylan Gress. Or if you search The Degress Podcast, make sure you are subscribing there as well. Please like, rate, and leave us a five-star review. It might get read on the podcast. Make sure you tune into next week's episode as Grant and Ethan rejoin me. And we have an exciting announcement that you will all want to hear. That's it for this week. Gress, out.